But there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy sex happening everywhere, and kids are getting conceived. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome back to Open to Truth, a podcast all about exploring big ideas and discovering truth together. My name is Clint. Hey, I'm Tony. Welcome back. And today I'd like to discuss a topic perhaps somewhat near and dear to your situation. Yeah. And that is the having of children. Yeah. We already went through a whole episode on... What to do once you get them. Yes. Yeah, we (laughs) talked about that a few episodes back, so I'm trying to figure that out. But now I'm kind of wondering, sorry that you're already a little bit into this, but should you have them at all? At this point, we are choosing to go forward. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Right. We're like nine weeks away. Yeah. So he's he's coming into the world pretty soon. Oops. Are you allowed to say... Yeah, it's been done. The gender. Okay. There it is. Mm, am I? Well, I mean, I meant like socially, will you get in trouble with your spouse? Not that you like yeah, dismiss no, a, Not that I'm assuming his gender. Yeah. That was already kind of like a really <laughs> screwed up move on your part. But. <laughs> uh, let me just... Hey, Melissa. <laughs> no, we can just start over. Let me find out if she actually cares about that. All right. I just checked with Melissa. We're good. Okay. We're having cool. a, a boy in uh, nine weeks or so. Awesome, man. Yeah. Well, it turns out there are some who say that you have done something unethical. In, by, by creating the life. That's right. And, and we try, to be fair, we were intentional about it. Like we were trying to have children. Right. You full, you own yeah, the we, full moral. It was premeditated. Responsibility. Yeah. Okay. This was not an oopsie or an, you know, surprise. So this is this position of being against what you're doing and what I've done four times. Sorry. Yeah. I'll, I'll share some of the <laughs> burden. Yeah, please. Is antinatalism, uh, just being opposed to the birthing of, let's say, additional children at this point. Mm-hmm. Or the con- even the conception of additional children, right? Yeah, so what? good. Yeah, that's a good thing to bring up. Okay. There's two main guardrails for this conversation that I, not that we can't veer into them a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think would just take us too far afield. It's a big topic. Uh, maybe that's surprising to some. Maybe. For some, it's a pretty obvious obvious. answer, but uh, one guardrail is the abortion discussion. Yeah, and I don't really want to go all into that and like because that's I think that deserves needs its own episode. That's right. Yeah, and I I do think that it doesn't really affect whether antinatalism is correct or not. It's just how you would deploy your antinatalism. Yeah, right. So someone who is less perturbed by routine practice of abortion might practice their antinatalism by the cessation of a life after it's been conceived. Whereas if you were opposed to abortion, your call to action as an antinatalist would be earlier. Yes. Don't even conceive. Would probably be abstinence or some kind of contraception. Yeah. Got it. Fair enough? Yes. Okay. Man, I I just got to say, I've heard of this view. I've never met somebody who held this view. Hmm. So I'm going to need you to paint a, a I need you to steel man their argument. Yes. Because it seems it's not a point of view I've ever seriously considered. Like the having of children has seemed to me for so long to be a good that's worth pursuing mm-hmm. that it's been part of my plan for life for so long and my yeah. hopes and my expectations. So Okay. Yeah, we can get into that. And it might turn out not not all philosophical views are equally weighty or Yeah. You're saying you might struggle to steel man them? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> we'll try our best. After all, like you and I have a, we do have a vested interest in, yes, not coming to the conclusion that we've made We'd like a th- grave error. That's right. In what we've done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I guess I, in 
full openness to the truth. I am ready to be convinced of that, perhaps. Wow. Let's see what the evidence is. Okay. And I should just point out, when we say steel manning, we've maybe mentioned that in previous episodes. We just mean presenting the opponents or the other point of view in as strong a light as possible mm -hmm. and as the most charitable version of that view as you can so that we're not straw manning them. We're not misconstruing the argument so that it's easy to knock over. Sure. We'll try to contend with the strongest version of it. The other guardrail would be uh, moral versus legal concerns. Okay. So I don't really want to go into the leg legality part because sure. we might have a whole discussion about the ethics and what one ought to do, but then how do we manage this behavior as a state? Yeah. And that gets super complicated. I'm not equipped right now to wade into that. Okay. So you might you might be an antinatalist on an ethical ground, but on a but have it not impact our legal setup. Mm -hmm. There might be other competing moral reasons to allow birthing to still be legal. Sure. Okay. okay. So abortion and illegality. Those will yeah, be we'll the, try not to the boundaries of the road. We're or if to, we're at least if we're about to trespass over them, to note that on our way over, it. be conscious about it. Yeah. We're leaving the guardrails here. Yeah. Okay. So there, I would say there's two main brands of antinatalism. The first would be local and the second is global. So local would be just individual people. This is the claim. Have an interest in never having been born. And a global concern would be no one ever, at least moving forward and perhaps in the recent past, mm -hmm. should procreate. Wow. Man. So those are yeah, <laughs> two different yeah. kinds. Who is the, who's uh, some of the big voices in this space? A big one is David Benatar. David as, Benatar. As far it. as I'm aware, he's kind of the, the, the big name. Is there a big book he's written that's touting this? Oh, probably. Okay. David Benatar. But you can, uh, uh, free, the source that I looked at uh, just briefly before doing this uh, is the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Mm -hmm. Highly recommend that maybe after one of these episodes you want to know more it's pretty detailed and dense it'll take you a long time to read an entry but there's a whole thing on antinatalism that Got you it. could look at and that's kind of what i used to derive some of this stuff okay do you think this is a view that goes way back is this a recent thing or has there sort of always been antinatalists let me let me try to like here here's maybe a more common sense or um an everyday comment that someone might say yeah. or a thought that maybe you've even had before yeah. Like, are there, and this would be a, a local antinatalist view, are there some existences or lives that when you see them appear so uh, tragic tragic and painful and woeful that you, you might even think to yourself in that moment, man, it would have been better had they not been born. Mm. Has that ever flicked across the ticker tape? Yeah, sure. I mean, just in terms of grappling with problem of evil stuff, there's a, there's a question of the... Does the good outweigh the bad in this person's life? How, yeah, would it have been better off, all things considered, if they never were on the scene because of how much suffering they've had to go through? Yeah, mm. I've thought that before. The other place that I've heard this sort of thing is is along the lines of, well, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. Now, climate change and all that. I don't know if I want to bring kids into the world because who knows what the world's going to look like in 50 years. It's probably going to be dystopian and you'd be better off never bringing them in. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say I mean, there are professional philosophical articles. Sorry that I said it in that voice then. No. <laughs> I kind of said it in a derogatory voice there. That's a serious view from from some folks. That is not steel manning. I'm sorry. 
that would be really concerned about yeah. like overpopulation, climate change, uh, just resource scarcity. Yeah. Uh, and that we can't, we shouldn't be adding to that problem. Mm -hmm. So by you, you are being selfish by adding to that problem by creating a new mouth to feed. The other argument that's maybe just related in here would be the need for adoption is so high. Absolutely. That don't worry about bringing new kids in. There's plenty mm -hmm. of kids out there who need loving parents who are wanting children that don't have them right now. You could do a great good by adopting instead of conceiving. I mean, I think you hit on the big three. Or sorry, or one I'm thinking is what you mentioned right beforehand. Mm. And that is, or do you want to say it about... Um, I don't know this, where you're going. Um, the other, one of the main arguments, and I think this is where David Benatar initially launched the ship from, is, look, uh, life is full of some pains and some pleasures. Mm -hmm. But look, not living at all, you don't have any of the pains. We know it's not painful. <laughs> so you never be. You're better off making the gamble of choosing to have someone not exist and not experience the pain. That's the one that I probably have the biggest bone to pick. Okay. I just think that's a really strong claim about the fundamental goodness of existence. Mm -hmm. Like that there's a big I'll say more. discussion to I have. I think we're we've outlined the territory. So that's, we can that, those are the main dive in reasons, yeah. So that one, the idea that I agree that life contains suffering. I don't know if I agree with life being suffering, the claim life is suffering that I know the mm -hmm. Buddha was famous for, for claiming. Life contains, I think suffering is common to all human life. No human escapes suffering of some kind. That's true. But are there lives that are completely absent of any good as well? May I mean, I guess I can imagine, I can try to imagine that just a horrible life or a very short life where maybe a baby is born and they struggle to breathe and they're like choking on their food for two days and then they die. Like that, I see yes. horrifically tragic that that would happen. Mm -hmm. You wonder what is the good in this at all? Um, and again, and that tiptoes into a whole like problem of evil discussion. Yeah, yeah. But but I don't think anyone would deny that that, that could is, happen. Or, and, that's, and it's tragic and horrific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The trouble is, I just don't feel like I'm in an, again, to the problem of evil, I don't feel like I'm in an epistemic position to, to know whether or not, uh, or to even be able to weigh, will the good that could be produced through this life and that could be experienced by this child, um, will it outweigh the suffering that they might experience? I have no clue. I just have no, I don't have any clue with my own life. I don't know how the next 50 years are going to unfold for me and whether the suffering will outweigh the good. And I think part of the challenge and invitation of the human experience is to live in such a way that your suffering has enough meaning that you, you can bear it and it's worthwhile. Live in such a way that the suffering you have to experience is worth it. It's worth the grind that you have to give yourself to. Because in, in the same way that I think the potential suffering your child could experience is theoretically limitless who knows how bad their life could mm -hmm. go who knows how good it could go i don't know i mean and i think this is maybe even exacerbated on a more like fundamentalist christian worldview where the consequences can extend ad infinitum sure you're saying eternity. both ways like eternal right. suffering and damnation or right. eternal bliss great well that just magnifies the problem right. and throws the scope out literally mm -hmm. infinitely actually let's let's just tiptoe down this road i hadn't really thought about this but mm. 
um, that, that, uh, to, to seriously entertain the eternal conscious torment view as a live option for, I don't know, let's just throw half of people. Oh, that was not my understanding it was, back when I would. It was broad as the road. Yeah, right. Yeah. It, it was an, a select few who would escape eternal destruction. Well, let's just even, let's make a more chirp, let's say half or maybe yep. even a quarter. Yeah. And you don't know ahead of time mm-hmm. whether just because it's your child that it would be secured. No, you don't know what path they're going to take. Or no, so I, I could I could see there being a Christian anti-natalist yeah. type of position, or at least uh, maybe an argument mm-hmm. against a certain position. Well, this was one of the things that undid my reformed mm. view back when I held it. Was why God would be better off never bringing these people into being than bring them into being knowing that they are destined for eternal conscious torment. Right, right. Yeah. On the more on the most charitable view, it'd be I think a non-reformed mm-hmm. version where God's foreknowledge is based not on, determinism, but is based on people's free, free choices will, yeah. and the free rejection of the offer of salvation. All of that. Yeah, we should do an episode on free will. Sure. Yeah. But in any case, that that's a. If you are a person of faith that believes in such afterlife, the stakes are higher. Yes, yeah, the stakes are infinitely high. <laughs> David Benatar would be pulling his hair out and <laughs> yeah. frustration that you continue to have children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Man, so so my basic retort to that view is like, I just am not in a position. I can't make a mm-hmm. good guess, even really, about whether or not life will be on balance better or worse for this kid. And what's super interesting too is, uh, it's fine that you did this, but to kind of what you did was frame the moral discussion or valuation on it, just that individual. Yeah. Like the yeah, baby, well, the baby's life. Yeah. Ah, but no. then they're part, they're embedded in this whole system of, they indubitably have parents Yeah. that have given birth to this in a whole gestation process. And, um, maybe, didn't know that this would be an outcome and have experienced this great amount of joy throughout that process. Or maybe, and maybe they're, maybe they're of the moral fiber to just be thankful that they got to enjoy an offspring for a few days. Yeah. And that maybe that's enough. Yeah. But just that, doesn't that go on the scales of moral calculus as well? I think it has to, which just complicates it further. I mean, you're right that we're not just talking about the kid's life. You're talking about the ripple effects of that kid's life. Anybody that they interact with, their life has now been affected and could be better or worse. My kid will cause other people to suffer. That will happen. Mm-hmm. He will be cruel to someone or he will be selfish and steal from some. Who knows how he will cause suffering. And hopefully he will do great good in the world. I sure hope so. I just, I don't know it. So is David's, David's so- view is it's better than to just, it would be better... To not even play the game. That's right. To not even roll the dice on it. Mm-hmm. So how does that not... I don't, again, don't want to mischaracterize the view. Is he upset that we're all here playing the game? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Like That's why I was a little bit timid to say anything about the past. Mm-hmm. Just moving forward. Okay. Let's not like He's it. not advocating slaughtering people and let's end life. He's not, not a nihilist. Yeah, he's not just... Homicide. Yeah. Or I wonder how he feels about his own life. Does he prefer, is he glad he exists? 
Or does he ultimately think existence, eh, it'd be better if it wasn't? Mm-hmm. Man, that seems like a really dark path. Now, let's take a more... Um, so I find the global anti-natalist really, really challenging to defend. Yeah, sorry, summarize that view again. That, that's just where, for all of us, are... All of us should stop. Yes, stop procreating. And good, first of all, good luck. That's not going to happen. You know. Well, that And again, now that is... You now you've just so I can note it. Yeah. You might have tiptoed over the guardrail of uh, legality, like try and stop it. That's a legal concern about how you would enforce it. Yeah, but let's keep it in the moral. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm just saying people love sex, and that's not going to change. You will not stop procreation. I'm sorry, right. but unless we could you, at least convince them that unless they had done you injected wrong. everybody with some kind of something that stops them or makes them sterile. Okay, but we sure. won't. We'll come back on. Well, hey, uh, actually, that, I mean, that's worth bringing up as a, I mean, again, now that we have a little bit past the guardrail, but if you're, if you are just supremely convinced of the antinatalist one version of this, then that would be at least on the table as a legal response mm. in some cases. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. But again, I don't really want to okay. go all the way down that path. Uh, some have said, look, uh, and maybe this is where we can get into some arguments in favor of procreation. Yeah. But some have said, look, there, there it does seem like there is this very natural, instinctual, great good in a person's life to procreate. But you can satisfy that with one. You don't need two and three and four and five and six. So is that the... Um, that would be a version of global natalism post one child. And is that the concern there is the overpopulation thing or you're just bringing more conscious agents into the, the world than uh, you need to to scratch the itch right. that you have? Mm -hmm. So, so it's kind of okay. like giving a little bit to both sides. Just a little middle ground there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many countries do have uh, policies on this? China does, right? China did. I don't did. know if they do now. They okay. did have a one-child yeah. policy, I think. and then, But it wasn't just mass abortions and stuff it was you'd be fined right yeah. right right and if, well if you couldn't pay it you'd probably go to prison yeah i think the strongest argument there is the adoption one mm -hmm. i mean that's one that i wrestled with before we conceived was say more what, well, what's the uh, worry just just yeah again if there okay just the facts there are kids out there who don't have families who would benefit from the structure of being in a loving family with attentive parents. Um, there's kids who need adopting. I think that's a real gift you can give people. And if I, I understand that you don't have to do one or that you could have some biological children and adopt some, mm -hmm. you don't have to go all one or the other. Right. The question is, is it ever better for me to conceive and have a biological kid if I could go, Instead, there's an opportunity cost there. Yeah. I could go and rescue some kid who needs to be adopted. And so, if you don't mind me asking, <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know if you've thought long and hard about this, but yeah. why did you, at this juncture, choose this route? My answer probably won't be satisfying for the antinatalist who touts this view, but it does seem to me like there is, I don't know, there was a desire. So it seems like there's some... It seems good to me to propagate my genes. Oh, I wow. don't know. The genetics part. <laughs> yeah, I just like... Uh, uh, 
I have a drive in me to procreate. I am. I have a hunger to eat food. I also have a drive to procreate. Mm-hmm. Now that's not. That's not a justification because I got all sorts of drives that I inhibit all the time. I don't act on all my drives. That's not a an argument for it being ethical for me to do that. Mm-hmm. But it was for the thought of for Melissa, and maybe this is just really selfish. But the thought of us never having a biological kid grieved us. Mm. Uh, I don't know. Even if only the maybe there's a curiosity. What would they be? What would it be like if he was half you and half me? You know and. What kind of kid would we make? Again, I'm not saying that that makes a strong ethical argument. That, but it w- it had a lot of emotional sway on us that yeah. influenced our behavior. So that's the truth of what went down. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you re- you guys wrestle with it? You got four kids. Did you guys I think about adoption? Not, uh, I've I've always thought about it. I have two sisters that are adopted. Okay, so adoption's part of our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't grow up with any stigma toward it yeah, yeah i don't know if there is anywhere but yeah i don't know um but it was i i maybe i'm wrong about this i had the sensation that it was relatively difficult to adopt cost mm. a lot of money i have heard that too and we don't didn't feel like we were in a position to go through like even just the legal process the of process doing of it, it would be tens of thousands of dollars that we don't yeah. on top of then the normal yeah cost of a child right but some yeah. you might m- maybe you'd argue look you decide to have four kids though couldn't you have just had one biological and then adopt one and that would be cheaper than the four mm. and you can get into this really strange cost benefit analysis that right. in a way like and i think i would find it hard to put words to right now but i'll try it just betrays like almost a wrong way of thinking about the whole topic mm. to be going through like Maybe it's just an argument against utilitarianism, but you're you're something is too crass about this counting of the utils, the yeah. pleasures and pains on this, and doing running my calculator as though I'm doing my taxes. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm a hundred dollars short. Yeah, I'm a hundred pleasure points short of making this decision. Yeah, it just seems so bizarre. Seems uncalculable in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, if yeah. I want to give the devil his due yeah. on this argument and steel man it, as you say. But like, I'm thinking if, if you did have the means to adopt, then do you have an obligation to do it? It's one thing if you can't afford to. No, not automatically. Maybe you'd fail to be able to give that child what it needs in other ways. Maybe mm-hmm. you're just a total prick. Yeah, you're a rich prick. And yeah. you should not adopt. You shouldn't you'd adopt. be a poor parent. Yeah. We'd certainly... Th- like talked about it if if it turned out we couldn't get pregnant or something then absolutely that was a pretty quick next step for us yeah that we were going to uh-huh. look at so oh, i don't know i don't have a, a real strong defense of why we went the route we did in response to that argument but i and i think this is uh instructive like hopefully or hopefully for the listeners if you're with us so far that I think this is worth some time like even on your own reflecting or with your spouse or in your little community what well, what are the good reasons to procreate i mean mm-hmm. you and i are struggling somewhat on the spot just to s- definitively say yeah because or what are some what are some other options like it's uh it's god's intended plan for all people well i don't know be fruitful and multiply that but, is a that's a thing that's a, it was said. but at the same time like to your point like some people are uh 
not fertile. Mm -hmm. And so is that the plan for their life? Now, maybe that's just a situation where the the fallen condition for whatever Mm -hmm. in whatever way has conspired to make that not a possibility. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of an exception to the rule. I mean, I have heard more and more young people in conversation tell me that they're not interested in having kids. Mm. But I also typically assume that that will change as they get older. I've seen that change in people. I've seen yeah. people who have been pretty staunchly like, oh, I don't need kids, don't want kids. Da, da, da. And then well, they get to a certain Well, because age when you're younger, like, well, having a child will for sure impede on your freedom to do what you want. But then as you've been doing what you want for a decade, you're like, all right, I got it, the gist. Yeah. Now I want this next step of deeper meaning in life. Which I... I agree. That's one of the things I'm looking forward to about parenthood is is the fact that it causes you to practice selflessness and be thinking about someone else's needs and be responsible. Like it, it shapes you up. Oh, hopefully, it doesn't mm-hmm. for everybody apparently, but but that could all be true of adoption too. That's there's nothing about the biological nature of your kids that gives you the benefit of stepping into the parenting yeah. role. Now, of course, sorry, maybe we should have brought this up earlier, which is a, like maybe an immediate worry mm-hmm. that it's so obvious that it just goes unstated. <laughs> but taking the, if everyone, here's an issue in moral philosophy is like Kant would bring up a principle of universalizability. Yeah. So your moral axiom should be able to be practiced by everyone. And if it can't, in a way that leads to a contradiction or some like really implausible outcome, Mm -hmm. then you should be skeptical of that moral axiom. Mm -hmm. Well, in this case, if everyone adopted antinatalism from here on out, we'd be done in 70 years. The human race would no longer exist. Right. Which is that what Benatar wants? Is he, I mean, that seems, that seems to me like you're casting a vote on human existence. Who are you? Who Mm -hmm. are you to be the judge about, whether it would be better or worse that there are no people or that there be people. That seems like a profoundly anti-human sentiment. Mm-hmm. And maybe I'm wrong or I'm misrepresenting it, but that, that seems troubling to me to hold that view, to think it would be better if there were no people. Jeez. Yeah. That's now, a hard pill to swallow. Here's another hard pill, and I'm just spitballing. Yeah. Uh, I, I, apologies ahead of time if this casts me in a horrible light. But... I don't like the idea that other people's mistakes take away this the opportunity to fulfill this great drive in my life. Okay. Particularly when we come to the allegation that it's going to lead to overpopulation or there's other mouths to feed, like the adoption stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason there's other mouths to feed is someone else made some mistakes. They violated a maybe a local antinatalist idea of hey maybe you shouldn't have kids right now Mm -hmm. because you can't provide for them i get that you can be raped and then impregnated and all that i've got to think that that's a pretty low um, you think most kids who are awaiting adoption are the product of poor choices oh 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 mistakes Um, or or agency like i'm just thinking goodness gracious i don't know if i'm ready to say that okay i just (laughs) i want to map the but contours here because there's yeah, because there's surely kids who are awaiting adoption, who have already suffered tragically. Their parents have died. They burned yes, in a house fire. Ex- absolutely. You know, that's not anyone's that mistake. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know there's would, probably some stats. I, I don't want to overstep my bounds. Yep. I don't know. 
but let me just let's spitball for the sake of the discussion. Let's even say it's half. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the current uh, need is in adoption. Like, is there a shortage of parents or is there a shortage of children? There's adoptive parents waiting that can't find kids. I don't know about that either. I don't know. But just the idea that, but, but again, having not knowing all that, I'm being told by the antinatalists, Clint, you shouldn't have kids because of this problem out there. But meanwhile, like all these other people still are. And you're wondering like, there's a free rider is, problem of some yeah, kind. Where Why do I need to give up the good of having a biological child Yes, when other people are carelessly doing it and now I have to go fix their mess? That's what you're... I am... Yes. Yeah. Now is that... I don't know if that counts as an ethical concern. It's maybe a selfish one. Or an emotional one. Yeah. Um, no, I see what you're saying. And it's not just... Um, it's not just the donating of my money... This is a whole life good. It's you you have it or you don't. You know, I can. Yeah. Biological children. It's and there's this time window I'm looking at to achieve it. Yeah. I'm not too personally offended, to be honest. Like I already have my children. I did have them. It's yeah. And despite all the writings that have been done about yeah, it at this point, and and because I feel like I satisfied the necessary threshold to be a adequate parent which was i you will have the bottom rung of the maslow's hierarchy at the very least yeah you have your food you have water shelter you have access to medicine your kids have a lot more than that they have a lot more but just <laughs> for those who don't know they don't have direct evidence to the higher rungs so you're not contributing to the problem no but if there is this overpopulation and there's a scarcity of resources globalization at this point is such that is it's still relatively localized. I think so. There's still poverty, right? Well, yeah, but I'm saying, um, is overpopulation actually a threat? Because I, I, I hear this turn around. That's another podcast for sure. Yeah. Right? I, I don't know. I'm not convinced. Some would certainly say, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I wonder how many people give this as serious thought as the antinatalists would like before they go ahead and do it. Like I have to imagine a lot of pregnancies happen, I don't know, under age 27 or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the, I'd be interested to know what's the average age of pregnancy. Yeah. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of crazy sex happening everywhere and kids are getting conceived mm-hmm. nonstop. Presum- and I think in large part, it happens before somebody matures to a point where they might seriously grapple with this. You know, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> it's like, if only the average reading age of the Stanford Encyclopedia <laughs> of Philosophy were eighteen. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just thinking. I I consider myself a reasonably thoughtful person, mm-hmm. and even I didn't seriously consider this point of view until this conversation. It sort of has struck me as being just prima facie absurd just no it it seems obviously good to me to want biological Mm -hmm. kids no i could be wrong i could be wrong about these things now some this is i find this to be the weakest Mm. argument for uh antinatalism but it is still interesting to consider for a moment so we've been talking all about more like consequentialist based ethics arguments like it's going to lead to this bad outcome yeah don't do it well someone might say more rights based Mm -hmm. say look 
my right, and I, I read this somewhere. It wasn't David Benatar, it was someone else. It's super interesting. But yeah, I bet if you Google it and type the basic gist of this in, you'll get the news article. Some guy is suing his parents for having birthed him, saying, you violated my right to consent to being born. So type that in if you can. Oh, and it's no, he's suing his parents. Now Clinton. I'm gonna, so I am gonna jump over the legal guardrail for a moment. <laughs> uh, that is fascinating because you might wonder. It just, it, what am I trying to say? It, it elicits now a conversation about the locus of rights. You might say the metaphysics of morals. What grounds are rights? Why do you have rights? How do you have them? Mm. And my, my right to not, to, my right to consent to being born is a right that you could only ever possibly possess once one if is born. If you do exist already. Right. Yeah. So it makes me think it's not a genuine right. Right. Because it's nonsensical. It doesn't attach to anything. <laughs> yeah. This and so this has been brought up in the literature back in the 80s. This guy, Derek Parfit, called it the non-identity problem. And he gives this kind of fun thought experiment. So Marie ha is taking this drug uh, that if you were to conceive while taking the drug, a baby that is born would be born with a withered arm. Mm. Okay? Yeah. Now, if she gave birth right now, or like conceived right now, uh, let's call that baby Amy. Okay. And if she waited three months for the drug to wear off and then conceive, we let's name that baby uh, Sophie. Okay. Okay. I think those are the names used in the article. And so the question is, uh, would anyone be wronged in that story at different moments of conception? Are you wrong? Are you wronging Amy by bringing her into existence when you could have brought into existence Sophie? And again, this is presupposing something about like biological essentialism where the unique spermatozoa and egg are producing a unique person. Mm. So Amy can't be born at time T and time T2. No, it needed to be that specific sperm. Yeah. Breaching. Yeah. Which is, that's kind of interesting because I think we all have the, we have the assumption. Wait until you can have a healthy baby. Yes. That's my instinct. That's your instinct. And so, and uh, what's her name? Marie should. Mm -hmm. That is what my gut says. Is don't if. You... But why? But what makes it wrong to bring about Amy? Because you might say so. A typical way of talking about harm and when you've harmed someone is to say, "Look, their life didn't have to be this way. You harmed them and caused them a greater ill." But Amy's life could not have been otherwise. This is Amy's life. If you had waited to conceive, it would not be Amy anymore. It would be Sophie. Okay. Okay. Isn't that... Um, I mean, you never know who you're actually bringing into existence when you conceive. You don't know which, which of the millions of sperm are going to get through. Sure. Um, but, but I don't know if... Okay, go ahead. See what you do with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see what, what I do with that. Uh, or maybe it would help you with this. Another case, yeah. a, a second example okay. in that same article. 
uh, I think it's Sri, as uh, if she gets if she conceives, she has this situation where whatever she conceives will have a, a serious mental disability. Um, and if she were to conceive, let's call that child the resulting child Arav, I think is the name of okay. the article. Yeah. Uh, and or or not or not conceive. So has she wronged Arav by conceiving? Like if you knew you could only have children. And this gets back to the initial, like the local version of antinatalism, that certain people have an interest in not being born, was the initial thought. And what's the, how does that not turn into an argument against like euthanizing disabled people? I know, I don't really want to go that route. But that's a huge concern, yes. Well, I just going back to the guy who sued his parents, the thought I had percolating there was, he's upset that he exists. Okay. Maybe this is... Just help me with this thought. I don't even, be, but not even that. I think that's not even part of the no? suit. It's that you didn't... Didn't consult me. Yeah. Okay, well, that's just absurd. <laughs> that doesn't make... I'm wondering, though, and this this might be a whole other discussion... For that guy, would a solution be, what if there, I mean, he has the right, this is dark, he has the right to opt out of existence. Mm -hmm. He has the right to end his life. Yeah. Uh, and suppose, and I could hear the argument being, well, but it would probably involve some suffering and it would be better if he wasn't born so he didn't have to end it and experience the suffering of ending it. But suppose there was some facility you could go to oh boy. where okay. it is painless, you go to sleep, you say, I'm done. And you opt out like those death pods in Australia. What was that? The, oh yeah, yeah. Remember that technology we saw? That yeah, like that's right. It's a euthanasia. It's a euthanasia pod that you'll just get mm -hmm. tired and fall asleep and completely painless, and never wake up. No doctor's note of a terminal illness. You can just go. Uh, I don't know. Okay. I don't know if it was legal. I don't know where it ended up. Yeah, but yeah. The, the technology exists. I understand. Yeah, I, I'm so following. You, so you get the thought. If if he's upset, he can always leave if he hates it that much. I don't know what the implications would be of whether it's state-assisted suicide or, mm -hmm. or euthanasia, however you want to talk about. Again, it, it's it's dark. But does that solve this problem? Then then you can leave it up to the individual. You don't have to mm -hmm. consult them before they're born. Wait till they're born, and then they can decide: Is this worth me continuing on? Are, so, are you just connecting that to our case of Marie and Sri? Are you saying that we can't know whether they? harmed Amy or Arav because we need to ask them later? Yeah, kind of. Wow. Maybe. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because I think it... I think... Yeah. I, I'm so worried I'm going to step on landmines. Okay, but that's man. the goal of the show is step on landmines and then discover that you've stepped on them and change your thinking. Okay. So... Um, there are people who are born with disabilities who still have great lives absolutely, and they live the good life mm -hmm. despite the disability and they overcome struggle and yeah, they, they will struggle in some ways. Um, but on balance, it's better that they're here than that they're not, you know? So, and, uh, if I may have the leeway to say, I don't mm -hmm. have much personal experience in this space, but, yeah. uh, perhaps they even led and on the whole, all things considered, better life because they had the disability. Right, I can imagine. Maybe that. it, maybe the earlier children in a family had not as good 
jerk parents, mm -hmm. but then upon having a disabled child, the parents' hearts yeah. are softened and something like, yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yep. I do know what you're saying. So all of it just leaves me paralyzed with lack of knowledge of the mm -hmm. future and how these things will unfold. So, uh, Well, but are you morally concerned about having had this conversation? Are you less morally confident in your decision to have a child? Yeah, slightly. <laughs> <laughs> slightly. <laughs> because I haven't been able to knock down their argument as well as I would want, other than I... Well, this wasn't even a... This thought experiment was not even an argument. It was well, just right. a question about, do you think Marie harmed Amy by birthing her with a withered arm when she could have waited and had Sophie? It's a bizarre... Something about thing. it feels like a philosopher's trap that's just causing my mind to bend on itself. Because mm -hmm. Amy only exists... Amy the first one? Yeah. Amy only exists ever with the withered arm. Yes. That is Amy. That's right. But you still want to say it's a contingent fact about Amy that... Do you? Mm, I do. I do want... It's not an essential property of Amy. I don't want to explore it for fear of being found out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your intellectual honesty there. <laughs> You're saying the withered arm is an essential property of Amy? No, it's, I don't want to say that. Is, is an essential? Yeah. Not is inessential. Yes. I, um, Amy only ever exists. Yeah, she could take with a she could take a serum that stretches it out. Oh, now we're just inventing that. Well, no, no, I'm serums? saying it's not a necessary property. Like, it's not what makes her Amy. Right. Doesn't that? It was an annoying point to bring up, but it, it doesn't help us. I was just saying when you said. Um, like, Amy has to have the withered arm. Yeah. Per the thought, thought experiment. She will be born with the but withered it's not arm. But it's not a necessary essential property of what ma makes Amy, Amy. Because it could be fixed. We just don't have that technology. That'd be great. Her gen How about this? Her, ge her genetic code hmm. is going to lead to that outcome sans intervention. Not Yeah. Not that it can't be dealt with once it has led to the outcome. Right. But we will experience... Arm withering at some mm -hmm. point. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> Gosh. That that digression was not in the original. Yeah. Or in a footnote. <laughs> Just trying to get clear on it. Well, okay. let me put you in the hot seat. Okay. What do you think about this? It's one thing to sit there and give the thought experiments. Give me your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I'm I'm gonna help myself to a, another a later part in the article that I didn't. The, I'm gonna throw myself a life preserver <laughs> that you didn't extend to me. <laughs> okay. So they differentiate between cases of uh, same number, non-identical problems, and different number. Okay. So the Amy Sophie is a same number problem, where at the end of the day, there's gonna be the same number of people in the world. Yeah. But in the Sri Arav case, different number. We're deciding whether there's going to be this extra person or not. Mm. Uh, so I feel like the same. The, there feels like a difference. I can't articulate it, but the moral. I feel like I'm wronging Arav more than Amy. Remind me, Arav's situation. Sorry, he, uh, the mom is not either going to have someone with a mental disability or none at all. That's it. That's it. Whereas Mar Marie just needs to wait three months. Yeah. To have a child. Yeah. And you said you feel like you're wronging Arav more? Yeah. By bringing him into the world? 
Well, maybe I want to take that back. I don't know what I think. It seems like thin ice, man. To knowingly do it? That's the whole thing. Is to knowingly do it. I mean, wouldn't you say, like, a, a vast amount of disabilities are done unknowingly? Yes, I would. And I'm saying, and but, this is pre this is preconception. Yeah. We're not talking about right. screening no, things no. or anything like that. No, no. Like, th this comes up all the time. Like, you have hunting, uh, is it Huntington's disease where you die by, like, 40? I don't know. Sounds It's, it's one of those. And it's, uh, it's just a genetic marker. You could go get tested right now and find out if you have it or if you have the recessive yeah. trait that's going to pass on to your child. Uh, you could go find out now. And a lot of people do. Because they then don't have kids on that basis, that knowledge basis. Really? But see, even that. I, You're going to give birth to a to child yep. that you know will die by 40. It's not obvious to me that I shouldn't do that. Okay. Yeah. I understand I think, that. I think you can have the good life in 40 years, you know? <sighs> and and I understand mm -hmm. that there are plenty of disabilities that, that cause great suffering, whether it's physical pain, whatever it happens to be. Right. But I will say there are plenty of mentally disabled people who have who are happy and who have a great life on on their own reporting, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, that's that's not true for everyone. There's some people who seem to be very non-functional or very distressed a lot of the time. I understand that can happen. So it would, it would seem to me like it would need to be case by case, what kind of disability are we talking about? Because I don't think it's... I don't think you can say they're harmed. Do you think... Uh, I almost wonder then, too, if... Um Kind of what you're saying remind or made me think of the reverse of natalism, mm. of antinatalism, which is maybe like obligatory natalism. Uh -huh. Like if you're so jazzed about all these different lives that could be, yeah, why not just have as many as you possibly can? Yeah, if life, if well, this, some people do, if, right? Yeah, uh, on other grounds, but right, they just don't believe in contraception. contraception. Yeah, but hey, if if this deal is so great, let's just get more of these cooking. Yeah. But that seems crazy too, and we would limit it by maybe parental interest. Yeah, or how many could you responsibly care for? That would be my limiting factor, I think. I mean, it is our limiting But even that, factor. but Tony, like, and uh, again, foot and mouth, yeah. mea culpa, yeah, I apologize. Yeah. But my, my thought was, yeah. we, were, we were just a moment ago saying like, even some of these really obvious disabilities mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a genuine setback of how just having full access to the range of let's even say the god designed yeah. plant or something um blindness let's say yeah so it's better to see than not to see mm -hmm. i'm probably going to think that for a very long time yeah okay now that's way worse than you just have you're in a big family where dad spends a little bit less time with you but that was a reason you just brought up to not have that other child yeah it's it, i found myself thinking that you said hmm. free pass to have knowing knowing you're going to have a blind child but cut it off when you don't get breakfast alone with dad maybe i think parental interest is a greater good than sight wow okay maybe like that's a way out of the problem. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to discern what do I think what is going on in here. What, yeah. Why did I have that intuition? It's because when I think about what makes life meaningful, what makes it bearable, mm -hmm. um, in spite of suffering like a lack of sight, 
it is relationships. It is, I think for me, it is love. Mm -hmm. The amount of love that you can participate in, both giving and receiving and cultivating all of that. I think that's kind of what we're here for. So, yeah, yeah. and that can happen in spite of some of these physical limitations, which is why I think. And what's kind of funny too, just what mm. I routinely of, of late has been really fascinating to me is how much of our intuition is different now than it was like 200 years ago mm. where like, um, yeah, people just had lots of kids, Yeah, you know? And so no one was really modulating. There wasn't an option. It. I mean, before contraception, Ab yeah. right. Ever, most families were like eight plus yeah. kids. Yeah. And so, you know, like, Oh, if you have another one, they're not going to spend as much time with you. It was no one was really <laughs> yeah. worried about that. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. It is crazy how much birth control, the option, the control over it now has, has changed the game. Mm hmm. It changes how we relate to sex, all of that. Uh, yeah, a lot yeah. of this is based on that. Yeah. Man. Well, I will just say, I don't... I don't know if you feel the same way. I don't feel like I've landed on as sure a footing as I would like to in this arena. Mm -hmm. I still feel the tug of the, the adoption argument and not having a great counter to that. Because you, be, I mean, did we just say, yeah, but I wanted kids. Yeah, like yeah, but I, I kind of want to see myself in his face, or I want to see my spouse in their mannerisms, or, mm -hmm. or, the world well, that would needs be another one of this. Yeah, is it arrogant <laughs> to say that? So I think we got some good stuff to pass on, you know. Jeez, because any of the other goods, like the, well, I think I could lead a good family culture. I think I could instill good virtues and values. That could all be done with an adopted kid, you know? There's nothing about needing to have a biological kid there, you know? Yeah, maybe. You I don't mean, seem but, as rattled as me by this. But what if, um, okay, bear, go with me here. Mm. What if a lot of the traits that you like about yourself are, in fact, uh, what's the word? Hereditable. Hmm. That is heritable? you heritable. Sorry, mm. yeah, you got them from your parents, mm. and you will pass on a lot of those dispositions and mm -hmm. to your child, and maybe the Allen rule of life that you wish to ins institute in this home would only be agreed upon by, by one of my direct descendants. <laughs> Seems arrogant. The Allen name needs to live on. The Allen bloodline. Now you, but wait, you. Oh, we're going long. Are okay. we? That's fine. Okay. Uh, thank you for sticking with us this <laughs> If you long. don't think it's fine, you can tune, on, tune out. So you did bring up earlier, though, that oh, I have lots of drives already that I don't act upon, that I'm kind of tamping down. Them, yeah. But I want to revisit that because mm. that didn't really hit home with me why that. That seemed like a powerful argument at the time. But now I'm revisiting. Okay, it. so I'll just recap it. Because you're not, because we're just saying, we're not saying that you always have to fulfill the drive of childhood or of parenthood. Mm -hmm. That like you're not having 19 kids, you're having one mm -hmm. to however three. Yeah. Just like you're not always having McDonald's, but you had you had a little bit, or you're having, you're satisfying your hunger drive, which is a good thing. Just because it's a drive, doesn't mean it's bad and needs to be. Totally uh, abstained. Okay, you, you dipped in, let and me, then you dipped out when it got inappropriate. Well, let me think about that. Can I? I just want to see if I can find a counterexample. Can I think of a drive I have or an urge that I have that, in all cases, should be inhibited? 
Uh, my head went to murder. Like if I'm, I have a drive to kill when I'm very angry. You know, if that's <laughs> yeah. the, if that's true, I don't know if I've ever been driven to that point. I've never mm-hmm. premeditated murder, but let's just say. But there might be circumstances where that level of aggression is warranted and appropriate, and you do need to dip into that drive. Right. So, You're modulating it when it's inappropriate, mm-hmm. which is like they cut you off in traffic. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to be yeah. I just wanted to be cautious about making the argument that just because I have the drive, it would be good for me to fulfill it. Why? Why do you, why need to be cautious? I mean, because I'm cautious with all my other drives. I'm very thoughtful in how and when I do fulfill them. Are there any that you totally abstain? And to be sure, some some have done this, like the like monks mm-hmm. take a vow of celibacy. Yeah, to they are not doing the drive of sex. They never engage in intercourse. That. Yeah, rather, I don't know what they do in the privacy of their own <laughs> monasteries, the ashrams. Yeah, <laughs> uh, are there any drives that I never participate in? I think I. I think it might be good to fulfill the drives. Every it's drive, of, it's every drive has a situation in which it is good to fulfill that drive. Is that your claim? I I'm gonna go there. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Listeners, if you can think of a counterexample, please write in. Again, and there's framing pro- issues you need to do, mm-hmm. and you really need to be clear on what the drive is. Like, yeah. So a man might say, "I have this drive to see as many women naked," or have sex with as many women as possible. Yeah. Okay, wait, you've now you've just stacked the deck against me, I feel. Rather, we're just talking Rather, about the drive, the drive for, for sex. Sex, yeah. sexual activity. Yeah. It doesn't need to be with all those other women. <laughs> yeah, you you yeah. can be monogamous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So That's that... Good, yeah, okay. Uh, just shooting from the hip. I'm struggling to think of a counterexample. So listeners, this is where I lean on you. Can you think of a counterexample to what Clint just said? So I'm coming up short. And so here's the basic structure of the argument. Yep, lay it out. All human drives, uh, contrib- once fulfilled appropriately, contribute to the good life. Uh, having a child is a human drive. Therefore, having a child will contribute to you having a flourishing life. And is it implicit in the first premise that there is an appropriate avenue of expression for every drive? There exists an appropriate avenue of expression for every drive. And when those drives are fulfilled in those appropriate expressions, it brings about the good Uh, life. uh, I would put in Ceteris Paribus, all things considered. Mm -hmm. So um, like everything about you works properly. Mm -hmm. Someone isn't infringing. Yeah, all things being equal. Sure. Maybe I just learned. Okay. I don't know. (laughs) Wow. I might have just formed a new wrinkle there. Okay. Maybe. So we started with, this is great, just as we wrap up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is, antinatalism is ridiculous. Then we went through some arguments and you're like, oh no, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm a selfish bastard for having my baby. <laughs> yeah. And then at the very end, you're like, oh wow. We pulled up no. the plane <laughs> right before. <laughs> okay. Okay, I got a noodle on that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I got to digest it for a bit, but I'm happy to land the plane there. That's that's good discussion. Uh. So yeah, if you're watching this, if you're still with us, probably put my foot in my mouth a few times. We're not trying... At this point, they have to know that's just par for the course. Not trying show. to be offensive. We yeah. are... What is this podcast? We are thinkers interested in a lot of different 
disciplines mm-hmm. and aspects of the human condition. We yep. are friends talking and trying to figure it out. And we think that dialogue is one of the best ways to get at truth. While practicing the intellectual virtues. Yeah. We want to be honest when we don't know. Yeah. So a couple of times I felt, sh- I did feel shame. Yeah. That's part of it. And we're going to be honest about that. I felt shame about not knowing. Yeah. But I still had to say, I it's don't It's embarrassing. Know. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to pursue a line of thought and then discover that it's actually mm-hmm. leads to really bad consequences. And, and to do it in, publicly in front of you yeah. and to put it on the internet. That's right. So, so it'll be there forever. <laughs> but that's what we're doing. So hopefully you benefit from at least seeing how we engage in thinking about this stuff. And we do want to hear from you as well. Like I said, if you've got... If there's stuff we missed, if there's counter arguments here that you want to chime in, we want you to join the conversation. We think dialogue's helpful, but we'd like to invite you into it. So, Good land. If you are an anti-natalist, mm. I would love to interact right. with you because I've not met a person that yeah. believes that. So. Please. So you can do that. This is on YouTube. So if you're watching there, you can leave a comment. Uh, or if you would prefer, you can email us, mailbag at opentotruth.com. We read all of those and we'll get back to you. If you've got questions, stuff you want us to discuss here, let us know and uh, we'll do mailbag episodes um oh subscribe to the blog yes yeah there's a blog that goes out each week on the topics that we're talking about for that week short little three to five minute reads in your inbox um written by clint he's a great writer so um yeah you can go to opentotruth.com slash subscribe and uh keep the philosophy nuggets flowing in your life keep the everything lubricated nicely there in the brain so all right thanks for listening stay curious 